0: All right, welcome in to another edition of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition, pregame.com. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, man?
1: I'm doing fine. Uh, Wild day of NFL football, Um, but you know, sometimes the the right teams move on, sometimes the wrong teams do.
0: Oh, that's a controversial statement, I would say. I... I, you know what? McKenzie is here, and McKenzie is our resident 49ers fan. He is the cousin of oh, Kyle no. Shanahan, the first cousin of Kyle Shanahan. Whoa. And, and, McKenzie, I have to ask you, your feelings on this game that we just—we like, literally just finished this game before we started recording. What are your thoughts on the state of the 49ers today? Jimmy Garoppolo played his last snap for the 49ers. <laughs> he, missed, he missed Kittle up the middle in the first quarter. Those – Three to seven points literally haunted me the whole game. There was not one snap of the game where I'm like, we shouldn't be up three more points than we are right now. We shouldn't be up seven more points than we are right now. And he got another chance down three, just like he did in the Super Bowl a few years ago. If you you know have a game-winning drive, all is forgiven. And he came up short yet again. Um, excited yep. to move on in the in the post-Jimmy era. He gave us a lot of wins. And I'm sure he'll give the next team a lot of headaches, just like we did with us. And I think that there are two options now for the 49ers. I think they either get a world-class veteran quarterback next year, or we start the Trey Lance era. And, you know, either one of those would be interesting. Um, because I, I mean, I do believe the 49ers have the best non-quarterback roster in the league. And if you just put something decent at quarterback on that team i i think that they're a handful but uh jimmy Garoppolo's not it and there was someone mckenzie was there there was someone on twitter.com arguing with me this week that jimmy garoppolo was the best of the four quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs with patrick mahomes <laughs> matt stafford and joe burrow jimmy garoppolo was the best quarterback remaining so um, I think that guy may be wrong now. Griffin, are you in a windstorm? Is that what's that what's happening here?
1: Uh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> maybe I was just thinking about the Russian bots that were uh, invading your your Twitter.com uh, mentions. Oh, it could be that. All right, let's get into the games. And I guess let's start with our best bets from last
0: week. You had a pretty good weekend. And one of your few misses was the one you gave out here.
1: Oh yeah. Um would have traded pretty much any of the other losers or or winners, excuse me, for this loser. But yeah, uh tough, tough uh three bets in a row that uh at heading into the weekend, including the best bet, which was Creighton uh at home against Xavier on Saturday. Uh took a nice seventeen point lead into halftime as an underdog, and then uh it was a twenty-nine to two run out of the locker room. Um, which uh unfortunately reversed that uh, 17 point lead. And, you know, I'm trying to like go back in my mind and say, you know, was that a really bad bet? And it's hard for me to say that it was. Um, I do think that Creighton's youth, um, it certainly showed up and they looked like they were a deer in headlights once Xavier started to go on a run. And I think it was a 17-0 to start uh, the half. So that uh, 17 point lead quickly went to nothing. Greg McDermott looking helpless on the sidelines, trying to use as many timeouts as possible, but, uh, and I credit him for that, but yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, of all teams did not expect Xavier after, uh, being a pretty good team to go against, I think so far this season, uh, for them to, to kind of fire that up. But I do think there's value going against them in the future. So, uh, maybe not all is lost though. Uh, it was a tough beginning to Saturday. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, my best bet was New Mexico State. Uh, we gave it out here at four. I think it may have closed at five, five and a half. Uh, but New Mexico State a ten point winner against Grand Canyon. Really strong finish to the game. They they had a really good first half and a bad start to the second half. And Grand Canyon ended up getting like a six-point lead uh at about like the the nine, ten minute mark of the second half, and then um the Q four, the last ten minutes of the game, were just all New Mexico State. So New Mexico State, who hasn't had a like a real home conference loss in like l- literally five years, which is just an insane stat to think about. Uh, and they were a team that I thought about this week uh, getting Cal Baptist at home, um, but that's not where I ended up going. But a one in one week for the best bets. So let's get into the games this week. Uh, And we'll start with a team that was featured in last week's Game of the Week, I think, uh, that Kansas-Kentucky game. At least on paper, it was the Game of the Week. Once the game got going, not so much. That Kansas was basically non-competitive against Kentucky. And they they were really inefficient from the field. They got absolutely smashed on the boards. And you know what really saved me was Ty Ty Washington being announced in. Uh he scored exactly two points. He was not a factor in the game. The only thing he was a factor in was me not not betting on the game, thank God. Uh thank because God. K- yeah, Kansas was ju- they just did not show up. Um ironically, the last time Kansas was coming off a loss, they played this same Iowa State team. And the Cyclones gave them all they could handle. That was a a, a one point win at home for Kansas. We're going to project this Kansas minus three and a half at Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's a tough team to read. They have home wins against Texas and Texas Tech, and then they got absolutely smacked at home by TCU. So I, I don't really know what to think of them. I, here's where I am with Iowa State. I think Iowa State is built to hang with teams that aren't great offensive teams. They they If you're a team that plays slow – your defense first, like Tech and Texas, then Iowa State can hang with you. I I think more often than not, when Iowa State's playing against a team that has some firepower, I think that they are going to have a hard time keeping pace, and I think we may see Kansas running and gunning after what what we just saw happen to them against Kentucky, where they just kind of got totally out-physicaled. I think that we see some a little more of a high flying version of Kansas. So, I don't like to play against Iowa State at home, but I, I'm not going to be playing on them this game. What do you see?
1: Uh, I lean to Iowa State. Um, very surprised as you talked about with, with the Kansas result uh, this weekend. Um, I was also saved by thank some, some diligence or some self-respect. I don't know exactly what to call it anymore, but I don't really like to go with favorites above a a possession. And that really is what kept me off uh, Kansas. And I was so surprised. I'm not sure I've seen a Kansas team get, demolished like that at the fog. I can't even really remember it besides the one time that I think Kevin Durant went up there and it was like on the same day of a funeral of one of Kansas's players, think Thomas Robinson, like, and there was a lot of emotional factors that day. That was shocking. And I got to expect that Kansas is going to have quite the effort uh, coming out on this one. But like I said, if anything, I'm looking at the home dog here because I believe in Hilton magic. I not sure that I believe in Iowa State. I think you, I have a similar read that they're going to be best against uh poor offenses because what iowa state really wants to do to you is really pressure the ball as much as they can and i think that that will lead to a bunch of misses or turnovers and that's where a lot of their offense will come from because ultimately the iowa state offense really seems to be jump shots which um, is a scary thing on the road it's a scary thing at home against good defenses i'm not sure that this kansas team is as good defensively as we're used to under bill self Um, but what iowa state has has done really is open up an offense if they can get Caleb Grill open for threes he is a scary scary knockdown shooter uh they have other shooters around him that I think are less trustworthy and then uh Isaiah Brockington the transfer from Penn State is a really good individual player that is able to take his man off the dribble and he pulls up for long twos which is a really hated offense in uh, the analytics world, but he makes enough of them. Uh, I mean, basically won the Oklahoma state game that they were trailing throughout. And it was a very close game throughout, but ultimately his long jumpers were what did it, what sent it to overtime. And then they ended up prevailing. Um, I just think uh, based on, on projections and, and certainly if this one's above a possession, I'll be, I'll be looking at the Cyclones. I just, it's a hard spot for me because I'm not sure I really believe in them being this level of a team. Uh, and and playing against an angry Kansas team does not sound like a a ball of wax that I want to be stuck inside.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I'm with you. And then but also, I mean, hell, after coming off Kansas's last loss, the loss against Texas Tech, Iowa State played really well. And that was at fog. So maybe they match up well with this team. I I tend to think that they don't. I, I don't think their talent is on the level here. But it, it, this is a this is a, a serious home court edge uh, at Hilton. so I, it's it's hard for me to 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 go against them here. Let's stay in the big twelve and maybe the biggest kick in the balls, and uh, I wasn't on it, thank God. But if you had Texas minus three and a half, ouch, i'm I'm really sorry because Texas basically controlled that whole game against Tennessee and it i don't know how it maybe took them a minute and a half to blow a 10 point lead and they end up losing by one and you know rick barnes i saw some people giving him credit for uh for you know getting a, a an open look at the end of the game i don't know that i want you know the guy taking the shot that took the shot with uh, that when you don't need a 3 uh but it, it is what it is but the fact that that Tennessee came back in there thing. It worries me a little bit about Texas, uh, but they've, they have won three straight and tech had an absolute, no doubter against Mississippi state. And now they get their first shot at Chris beard and T- Texas tech has been so good at home. Uh, they've won every home game by double digits, except for Kansas. And they won that game by eight. So this is about as good of a home court as you're going to get. And you know, this home crowd is going to be as fired up as they'll be all year with the return of Chris Beard and Texas is two and four on the road. Like this just feels like a, a home run spot for tech. My worry for them is they are 235th in turnovers and going against this defense with that stat is, is not ideal and terrence terrence shannon is questionable well, he missed the mississippi state game was having back spasms i think especially for turnover problems i think he matters a lot uh but i just I, I just can't fade tech in this spot it should be tough for both teams to fi- find offense so i'm not looking to lay over a possession here which i think you'll have to do uh i think this is another much like that texas tennessee game kind of a rock fight um if I, if I had a forced pick on it, I think it'd be Texas tech, but I, I'm I'm probably going to end up being a pass here. What do you think?
1: So we were projecting this above four. Is that where we had it?
0: Yeah. Four and a half is what I projected.
1: Yeah. Um, that's probably a little high for me, but I don't know if you can find a better spot to back a, a team. Um, I think this United supermarkets arena, I believe, um, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of people shopping in there, uh, on whatever night this is Tuesday night. Um, I, am uh, as a Texas alum, I figure I'll get that out of the way. Uh, who's always been kind of a, a seller of, of the basketball program. Unfortunately, I'd like to not be. Um, but there's not a lot that Chris Beard has done so far this season that has really given me, uh, much reason to, to have any sort of faith in specifically the offense. But, uh, I think If there's anything that I can try to reach to, it's that uh, I think Chris Beard does know scattering reports and gets his players to know where the weaknesses are on the other team. And you mentioned turnovers. Um, That's certainly a concern for Texas Tech. We saw uh, Texas go to to TCU uh, last, I guess, middle of last week um, and really take them out of their game by turning up the pressure as much as they could. I think the problem here also for Chris Beard is his top assistant is now the head coach at Texas tech. And part of me wonders how much of the vaunted Chris Beard defense was actually Mark Adams and and not just Chris Beard Um, from where I sit. uh, This is a Texas tech only play here. Um, I'm hoping that Terrence Shannon will miss because I think he's one of the more overrated players in college basketball so far. Certainly he has the, the body and, and the, yeah, it might be surprising to some. I think he has the body and the pro pedigree, um, but I also feel like a lot of that is from expectations on who he could be versus what he has been. He's been dealing with injuries a lot this year, and it, it's hard to to talk down on somebody about that. But. I just feel like he's a big name that hasn't really delivered and it might be because his back has been bothering him, but I'm hoping if there's any way that he misses this game and that somehow spooks the market a little bit to price Texas tech a little bit cheaper than they should be. Um, like I'm going to be looking for openers wherever I can to try to find a way to get on Texas tech at that minus three level is really important to me. Um, I know it's not important to everybody, but I just don't see a way here that Texas tech, um, I, excuse me, I don't see a way here that Texas can hang unless they are really able to turn up that defense and force a ton of turnovers. I just don't really see that happening. I think Texas Tech looks to me like a better team, and that environment is going to be nuts from noon until tip-off. And, and uh, I just wish I didn't have a dog in the fight so I could be rooting for uh, what looks to be a, a crazy, crazy time.
0: All right, let's go to what uh, another good uh, rivalry matchup here. The Iron Bowl, or whatever they're going to call it on the basketball court, we had this a couple of weeks ago. We get it again. Alabama at Auburn. We're going to project the Tigers as seven-point favorites at home. And if Alabama finds a way to compete in Auburn, they will be the first team this season to do it. the The Tigers are eleven and zero by a margin of twenty points per game at home this season. So they are handling business that has just been a house of horrors for teams and. The first Bama game, like if you just look up the final score, it's Auburn gets a four-point win. That's a little it's a little deceptive to what that game really was. It had a, it was sort of like that Tennessee-Texas final. If you look at it, you say, Oh wow, Texas beat Tennessee by one point. A- Alabama was up like 14 points with under eight minutes to go. And the the tide never had an answer for Jabari Smith. 26 points, seven rebounds, four blocks in that game. And then Bama coming in and beating Baylor is probably not as surprising as them losing to Georgia, but those things happening back-to-back games just kind of is, it it lets you know everything you need to know about this Alabama team. When the shots are falling, they can hang with anybody. They they hit 79% of their two-point shots against Baylor that is not going to happen two nights in a row, two games in a row. I I would say there's no way in hell that happens against Auburn. Uh, I, I I don't know if I'm looking to lay this big of a number, but there's no way I'm putting any money on Alabama going into that
1: building. What do you think? I mean, as someone who focuses on underdogs, I can't even really make a case for Alabama. Um, it's hard for me to say because big rivalry games, sometimes some weird things happen. Ball bounces a different way. Uh, I don't really like I, I, we've talked about Alabama a lot in this podcast and literally it's trying to figure out what they're going to do is, is like, like blindfolding myself and and I'm not a very good darts player, but like putting my life on the line, it feels like trying to hit the bullseye. Um, I, like, as you said, a lot of times it's about the three point percentage. Um, And, but I mean, to go 22 of 28 against Baylor inside from two is something that I cannot explain, especially coming off a loss at Georgia going 18 of 28. So like, It's one of the weirdest, (laughs) most difficult teams for me to ever even think of. And I think that's what Nate Oates has talked about. And I'm sure it's really frustrating for him, but they're a very good team with really good players. Um, They have a lot of athleticism that can cause teams problems. Um, But I see there's going to be some problems with that against Auburn because you go to what is going to be another incredible environment. Auburn Arena, uh, as we've looked up already uh, in this podcast this season, is a really tough place to play. Probably the toughest in SEC uh, basketball right now at this point, even tougher than a bigger stadium like Rupp Arena. Um, They are great at really putting the pedal to the metal and blowing teams out, as you mentioned, with that lofty uh, margin of victory at home. Um, you know, I'm going to be staring at the screen, trying to find ways to reason that Alabama can hang here. And I think they can, if they make threes or if they shoot at a ridiculous percentage inside. Um, but I don't see either of, or any of those things happening. Um, Auburn seems to be one of the deeper teams, which has really come on, uh, from the start of the season, uh, haven't had a loss in forever. Maybe had some tougher games than expected, and that might give Alabama some hope. But this team has basically lost one game in double overtime that they had pretty much locked up and and could have won. against Connecticut at a neutral site, I think, in, in the Virgin Islands or Bahamas or wherever. So I don't know. I would love to find some reasons uh, to back Alabama, especially after a, a sharp side that I don't think a lot of people were playing, but it got a really impressive win at home against Baylor. I just think also following up a win against Baylor at home, then going on the road to your biggest rival and, and following up that type of performance again seems really unlikely to me.
0: Yeah, that was the the sharpest of wins because I when I saw that number come out it was it was minus three Baylor got bet down to minus two and a half I said well I'll have no part of this friends thank you because <laughs> I, I don't know how that number it would I mean I don't if, if that number were lined again I still wouldn't believe it if it were two and a half so um yeah Bama's just a hard team to gauge uh let's go to the Big East And I'm curious your thoughts on this one. Villanova, we're going to project as three and a half point favorites at Marquette. And Marquette going for the sweep of Villanova. They haven't gotten one since 2012. And that was the year that Nova was like 13 and 19. Didn't make the tournament. They were awful. Nova blew a nine point lead in the last 10 minutes of that first game. They they shot 25% from three. And they took five free throws, which is not ideal for the best free throw shooting team in the country. Uh, Marquette started out this season eight and six, and then they had won seven games in a row before losing to Providence, including wins over uh, Seton Hall twice. Uh, They beat Nova in there. They beat Xavier in there. So this Marquette team looks like maybe they've turned things around. To me, I I was surprised that, that Marquette hung in that first game, much less won that first game. But uh, Villanova, just on paper, they should dominate the glass on both ends, and they don't turn the ball over, which is what Marquette really needs to th- to thrive on. For me, it's it's hard to back Marquette here. What do you think?
1: I mean, it is uh, a really tough. I mean, they had the snow day delayed game that's supposed to be played on Saturday. They got played today on Sunday uh, when we're recording this. Um, we're in a really good position against Providence had a, a pretty big lead for a lot of the first half, but didn't close that first half very well. And then it seems to me, if you're on the road and you're off to a good start, you really need to get a big enough lead or to really even to kill the game and take the home team home crowd out of it. Um, they didn't do a great job of that today. Ended up being one of those tight back and forth games at the end, missed a, an uncontested layup. And that was pretty much the clincher. Um, but Marquette have. They're off to a really good start, or excuse me, maybe didn't get off to a great start, excuse me, in, in Biggie's play, but have been great until today's loss. Um, the win, I mean, at Villanova, ending that long, long streak was pretty incredible. Um, I think from from where I see Marquette now, um, they're a really good defensive team, very deep. They have a lot of length, and they're going to bother you inside. Uh, but Villanova doesn't really need that. They're uh, going to rely on three-point shooting a lot, and that does come with some caveats or some concerns on the road when you go to what should be a pretty good environment for the best team in the Big East coming in. Uh, I think Marquette, um, their home crowd is going to be a, a pretty good factor behind them. I, I'm just worried about um, trying to get this team twice because I feel like the, the spread's going to be low enough, as you, as you projected, that um, they're going to have to be in a position to win this game or for you to survive free throws late. Um, it's very possible that Villanova is not the three-point shooting team that we expect them to be this season, and they might struggle a little bit on the road, and that's where Marquette will need to pounce. But I- I'm, I'm worried, especially after they beat them the first time, that if Villanova gets off to a good start, I just don't know that Marquette really has the staying power. It seems like they're one of those teams that need to run away from you, and I'm not sure they can do that against Villanova. I- I'm certainly not interested in backing Villanova as a road favorite here, would only lean towards Marquette. Uh, but I don't know that they've done enough for me to really believe in them just yet.
0: Alright, should be a good one to watch either way. Alright, let's get into it. Let's go to Best Bets. We're going to try to switch it up, try to get you a win, so you get the honors today, my man.
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, I feel like I've been I've been close, so uh, hopefully the wins are coming, and I'm going to start with uh, the Bonnie St. Bonaventure hosting Davidson. Um, we're projecting this number uh, right around Pickham, but Minus one, I'll probably even lay all the way up to minus three, um, just to make sure everyone feels comfortable as I think St. Bonaventure, they've had a a tough year so far, uh, can't hide behind that. Um, they're expected to be a really good team, returning all five starters. And we've talked about them on this podcast a bit. That they, I don't think, have lived up to expectations. Maybe are worried about their because they play, they play future. The
0: five guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, they do have some some depth issues. I'm hoping that as we get a little bit further from their COVID pause, that that'll get worked out a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, so the Bonnie's uh, really tough home environment uh, in Olean, New York. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, but anyway, uh, they're a really good team, I think, filled with a defensive mindset that is going to be a, a struggle for Davidson to deal with. Uh, Davidson's been playing really good ball in, in the A-10, had a tough loss recently to VCU. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a similar situation. They're going to ha- have have trouble with they're, – they're basically a great offense. That usually is a, a scary thing on the road because they're going to try to outscore the Bonnies, and they certainly can do that if they shoot well. But I think St. Bonaventure is going to make scoring the basketball really hard on them. Uh, and it's a pretty small favorite uh, at home in front of a good crowd. I, I think the Bonnies get a, a much-needed win here. Um, they're they're 8-10 record, 7-1, and not so bad of a start. Um, certainly not the hardest schedule so far. But they need some wins to stack up and start looking a little bit better. Excuse me, that's Davidson off to a 7-1 start. But the Bonnies need some wins to try to... To, to make their case for the NCAA tournament um on the on the other side of where they're looking right now, because they they've had a pretty poor start. Let me let me rephrase that. Four and two in the conference so far. Um but from what I see, St. Bonnie's they're gonna make it really hard on Davidson to score. They can score themselves, um I think against the Davidson defense that isn't as athletic isn't as athletic as the Bonnies look to be. Uh, and so laying a, a small price at home, I, I think is worth uh, for my best bet for this week.
0: All right. I will not endorse that one. A, because the last two I've endorsed for you did not go uh, your way, but uh, B, I, I, I just don't like the St. Bonnie's team. I, 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 they, they're a bad shooting team. Uh, they, they just frustrate me. They, they frustrate me. And they, and they also don't defend the arc all that well. Which is gonna that would be problematic against Davidson, although I do think you know the the road game makes it tougher on them, so I am going to uh I'll let you be out there on that one, and hopefully that alone is enough to get it get get it back on track right, let us hope uh, I'll be cheering for it i I just won't be putting money on it um all right, I am going to go with Pitt at Wake Forest. Uh, And I'm going to take the Deacons minus 14, which is a big number. I know. And that's super square. I hear it at work every day. Uh, But Wake is coming off an ugly loss at Syracuse. And Syracuse might be the worst matchup for this Wake Forest team. Wake is they're they're kind of the new North Carolina. They want to get to the rim and they want to make easy buckets with their big athletic front court. And Syracuse just doesn't allow that. And the the orange shot 53% from three. It was an ugly turnover game for Wake. They lost that battle 17 to five. And then so they it just was a perfect storm for them to get beat. And I still think this Wake Forest team is one of the better teams in the conference. And Pitt is just dreadful in that conference. They shoot sub 30% from three. They're outside the top 300 in tor- turnovers force, so they can't do any of the stuff that Syracuse did to slow them down. And Pitt's last three road games, or last three home games, pardon me, no, road games have been a 13-point loss at BC, a 27-point loss at Clemson, who Clemson can't beat anybody by 27 points, and then a 16-point loss at Syracuse. And Wake's only loss at home came to Duke. I think they've got the size that'll that'll neutralize Pitt on the offensive glass, which is really the only thing Pitt does well on offense. So I, I think this is just a hammer spot, especially coming off a loss for Wake Forest. So Wake Forest minus 14 is going to be my best bet this week.
1: Yeah, I actually watched that game, um, jumped in the shower, came back from halftime and was really surprised to see Syracuse had such a big lead. Wake Forest was, I thought, holding their own pretty well. Um, but it's one of those things when you play against the zone, once you start missing a bunch of shots over and over again, sometimes that can get, get out, out of hand, I guess, at the carrier dome, but Wake Forest has a great offense. They can shoot the ball as well in addition to t- attacking the rim. So, uh, I like them a lot and I'm looking to hope to back them, uh, as we get a little bit deeper in this, in this season. And then also in the ACC tournament.
0: All right, well there you go. Wake Forest minus fourteen, Saint Bonaventure at around a pick'em. Uh, I think those numbers should be pretty close to what you get, and hopefully we get a two and zero. We haven't had a two and zero in a long time, so we're due for one. I would say. Hopefully they start falling for us. Griffin, appreciate you as always, McKenzie, I appreciate you coming in during your morning period and uh, and and taking the time to help produce this thing in the back, and we hope. Yeah, we, will, we will hope we got some winners for you and hope you got at least some good information out of the breakdowns of these other games. Subscribe, subscribe, uh, listen to all the podcasts on the network. The golf guys have been absolutely killing it. They are making money hand over fist. So if, if you, if you can get on that, get on McKenzie's NBA pod, he's been killing it with his three-star plays. So just listen to all the pods. It's great information. Great stuff. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you on Thursday.